If there were a keyword for 2020, 2021, it might be the word Zoom. <laughs> Zoom, as we know, is the video software that uh, we've all been using uh, virtually uh, and we've all really learned to use collectively. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting when I think about the word Zoom, I feel like the camera is zooming in on my on my face. I feel like it's zooming in on my insecurities and I feel like it's zooming in on my home decor, which is, you know, a little unnerving, I think, for all of us. But fortunately, today we're here with Wendy Lee Curtis. She is a virtual hybrid and live host MC moderator, and she is here to help us with our confidence on camera. Because even if we've gotten a little comfortable, there's always room for more confidence. So welcome everyone to the Thrive Biz Chat, where we talk about what it really takes to run a thriving service-based business. I'm Selena Guerrero. I'm founder of the Thrive Sales Accelerator, where I help service-based entrepreneurs move beyond referrals to grow and scale their business. Wendy, Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. What's good, y'all? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give everyone a little intro so that they know who you are. Um, so here we go. Ready? All right. I love it. I'm ready. All right. From Broadway to broadcasting, Wendy has enjoyed an adventurous career. I love that. Uh, both <laughs> on the live Broadway stage and mm -hmm before the camera as the traffic entertainment reporter and anchor at KTNV, ABC in Los Angeles, excuse me, Las Vegas. Yes. Uh, Wendy, I'm from Los Angeles, Las Vegas. Um, not surprisingly today, Wendy is the go-to host MC moderator for live virtual and hybrid events for mm -hmm. Fortune 500 companies. I'm so excited that you're here. I really appreciate your time and helping us, uh, all of us here, listeners today, with our confidence on camera. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. You know, all of all of the all of the things. I feel like this has been the perfect storm of my early career work from the Broadway to the broadcasts and stuff. Because I don't know if people know this, but in the Broadway community, we actually have a terminology for the arena that I work in now. We call it corporate theater. And the oh. old terminology is we would call it industrials. So those two communities, while they might seem disparate, are, are have actually always had sort of convergent lives. A lot of the stage managers that work on the production side of this corporate kind of work come from the Broadway world. They come from that arena. And so it's sort of like a mm, detoured full circle moment for me to be working um, exclusively in that arena with these companies. So I'm excited. I love it. <laughs> That's so great. No, I mean, it's like all about managing, you know, engaging with an audience, managing mm -hmm. an audience, you know, it's, it's all of that. I get that. It's really, really similar. Did you decide that's what you wanted to do? Did you kind of fall into it? How did that happen for you? You know, with the exception of my Broadway career, everything after that has been what I call a happy accident. Um, the, the broadcasting thing was a happy accident. Um, I moved from New York City to Las Vegas shortly after 9-11. I had my daughter with me living in New York and um, even pre like Disney Times Square, you know, when New York was like a, a little seedy, I was never really afraid to live there. But after 9-11, like my comfort level just mm. was no longer there. And Broadway shows were moving out west. They were moving to Las Vegas and they were calling it Broadway West. And I thought, well, I don't, I don't care where I do a Broadway show, you know, I, I can do one just as well out in Las Vegas as I can in New York. And so without ever having 
stepped foot in Las Vegas, I packed up everything and moved to Las Vegas with the idea that if um, I auditioned there, that I would look more attractive to the producers because they wouldn't have to pay all my moving costs, right? They could hire me as a local. Um, I did not do my research because for whatever reason, they preferred to hire out of New York because <laughs> the performers in New York had more cachet. And I was like, that's geography. I just came from New York. I'm a New York performer. But it, yeah, leave it, leave it to me. But again, like even that misstep ended up being um, my best step because it really forced me to figure things out on the fly, right? Mm. Vegas is a really insular, small, niche community. Um, and the ABC affiliate there, I, I think it was really part of a big, huge PR campaign, hosted an open casting call for a traffic reporter. And they called it the Great Traffic Reporter Contest. And really? Yeah, I really didn't know anyone in Vegas. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go audition. At the very least, you know, I'll meet people online because that's how it works in New York. Some of my dearest friends I met at auditions. My lifelong friends have been people that I met at auditions. And so I would, um, I went to the audition, 250 people. I ended up making to the top 10. They put our auditions on the website. The audience voted me into the top five. The five of us each had a morning where we went in and did traffic. And then I was offered the job. And so it was, it was the best thing I never knew I always wanted. And I ended That's up- That's amazing. It's the wildest story. And I have, um, our, our news director was this iconic guy from Chicago. His name is Dick Tuniga, right? Cigar smoking, you know, grizzled, like journalist, like the Dan Rather of, you know, broadcast news, but on the news directing side. He, that's, that's who my news director was. And he called me in the office one day. I was convinced it was to fire me because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And they figured it out. And so... Um, after that, he asked me, he was like, hey, kid, do you want to be a news anchor? And I said, oh, absolutely not. I panicked. I freaked out when he asked me that. I said, absolutely not. I do not want to be a news anchor, but um, I have an entertainment background and you guys don't have an entertainment reporter, so I would love to do that. And he said, done. Great. Take this piece of paper, go up to HR. You're our new entertainment reporter. And so Amazing. I worked my way in about a six month period, I worked my way from traffic reporter to entertainment reporter. And eventually I was forced to actually anchor the weekend morning news. So in about a six to seven month period, I moved, I moved from being the girl who won the contest to the girl who was anchoring your weekend morning news at KTNB. So it was great. That's it was fascinating. a happy accident. <laughs> yeah, I know it's funny, right? Like we're supposed to decide what we want to do in our lives and, you know, yes make plans and, you know, talk to the right people. And then sometimes it just kind of happens the way it happens, right? Exactly. Truly. That's and, amazing. And that's what happened with um, the work that I'm doing right now. It was really just me um, going to an open call that one of my Broadway colleagues, unbeknownst to me, was running, was directing and doing. And so I showed up at the call and I get there and lo and behold, someone I've known from New York for 15 years is sitting behind the table and it's, girl, what are you doing here? And I'm like, Cheryl, trying to get a job. Can you hire me, please? And it went from that one, from that one encounter, that one job, because it's all very niche. They kind of pass you around. Once you start working at a certain level in the Fortune 500 arena, it's 
it gets more and more niche and they, they really don't want to take a chance on anyone new. So they just start mm-hmm. passing you around and it's filled with freelancers. So you might be working with this company on this day, but that same freelancer could be working with an entirely different company, you know, a month or two later and they say, Oh, you know, and so before you know it, you have this, this chock full resume of like great experience you know, and great opportunities and you're meeting titans of industry. I mean, it's that's incredible. Amazing. Are you doing in, is that like internal meeting, like internal conferences or, or like big, conf, like a public or, or, or private? I imagine they're sort of internal, external, sorry. I imagine they're kind of both, right? So I have to sign an NDA for everything that I do. So it all feels oh, okay. But um, it, it's a mix. Sometimes there's summits, sometimes there are conferences that are over a series of days or weeks, but almost always the information being shared is proprietary. And so um, typically when I'm on screen, particularly during this, this stretch of the pandemic, it's me, the CEO, and I don't know, five or six members of the C-suite. And so wow. we're, you know, as the, the face of the event, you're really like the conductor on the train and you're really just there sort of managing everyone's expectations um, keeping the energy level and the engagement there so that everyone stays connected to what's being shared because it's almost always new content. It's something new that's happening with the company. It's something new that's being shared, some sort of revelatory information that everyone can benefit from. And just keeping the continuity of the event from A to Z, from the opening moment of the event until the sign-off moment of the event. So I love awesome. it. I love that as a a little jumping off point, because as you're talking, you're saying you're going in, you're, you know, from point A to point B, you know, like facilitating. And I think so what, like, I actually think, especially because I'm really in to the sales aspect, right, of being Mm -hmm. on camera and those kinds of conversations. But for anybody who's really running a business, you know, we used to be on call, phone calls where we weren't seen or we were in person. So um, maybe we could talk a little bit about how do we make this transition? <laughs> I mean, so many of us, we've all been doing it for so long. So I want to make sure that we're kind of meeting people when this conversation we're about to have, like meeting them where they're at, which is we ha- all have a little bit of experience. Um, but I like this idea of, you know, maybe taking and tell me how you feel about this but like taking um initiative right on camera how do we make Mm -hmm. sure that we're not just sitting back and kind of dialed down but really engaging with people on camera or do is that maybe where, where should we start the conversation so i will say this and i might get some pushback i actually think that our comfort level on camera <laughs> can vary wildly generationally So millennials to Gen Z seem to have much more comfort on camera, but to their credit, they've had a lot more FaceTime with camera work Um, from the selfies to the videos. They just, they just have their comfort level is higher um, and they seem to be able to, to, to get it faster. The interesting thing about the camera is, it's an equalizer. And what do I mean by that? I've seen CEOs, titans of industry, who I am sure are total badasses when they speak live on stage, who are just low-key a mess on camera. There is something about this little thing right here that 
shuts them down. Um, in part, I think it's because it's like staring into a mirror for a really long time. We live in a society that's pretty fixated on physical appearance and to have to stare at yourself uh, on camera invites critique that I don't know that people want to spend a lot of time doing. You know, have you, how many times have we heard a recording of our voice and said, says, oh my God, is that what I sound like? How can people listen to me? You know what I mean? Like it really does, it really does elevate that inner critic. Yeah. An entirely different level. Um, and so I get it. I, I, I think it's the most natural thing in the world to feel uncomfortable on camera, but there are all kinds of cheat codes and ways that you can get around that, um, that will help people to have not just proficiency, but an ability to connect and captivate on camera. Mm. Because here's the thing y'all, and I want you to hear this. You're the secret sauce. You, you are the secret sauce. And the reason you're on camera or being asked to be on camera is because there is something incredibly poignant and important that you know that needs to be shared. And this is the vehicle to not only share that, but to expand and extend the reach of what it is that you're sharing. So while it may look like it's all about you, it really isn't. It really isn't. It's about this conversation that you're sharing with the world at large. Okay, so when I am on camera, and I too have this, you know, Logitech thing coming at me, right? And I've got to start this conversation, like, I feel like I'm being zoomed in on, right? Like, I feel like real, the focus is so much on me. Right. One of the things I think is really common for people, because I, I experience this, and I, and I know this to be true, is that there's almost two conversations going on in my head right? There's me seeing myself and hearing myself. And then there's the other voice saying like, wait, did that just make sense? <laughs> right. Or like, there's the, like, it's that, it's that self sort of analysis or that criticism, right? What you were talking about. It's like, mm -hmm. that's the other voice. So, so when you talk about like, it's about captivating, it's about a conversation. I think what's so hard is if we use this kind of like analogy with like these two voices, it's to quiet the other one, it's to quiet one, right? So that we can be fully present in that conversation and not let that thing above my monitor distract me. So what does that look like? What do we need? Like, tell us how we need, to, how do we, in my own words, like calm that other voice so that we can be really present. Okay, so there's a couple of different ways. If seeing yourself on camera is distracting, take a post-it note and put it over your portion of the screen that shows you so that all okay. you see is the person you're conversing with, right? Literally takes the focus off of you. You can't even see you. The camera can still see you. Don't put the post-it note on the camera. Put it on the screen so that it covers you. Most people that coach people on camera, and this is like my pet peeve, and I don't know, we'll just have to agree to disagree, but I know I'm not wrong about this. Most people will coach people to get centered and calm. And here's okay. why that doesn't work. Anxiety is a high value negative emotion. Calm is a high value positive emotion. They are counter to each other. Can you, can you see my hands in the camera? Right? Yes, yes, yes. The easier and more physiologically logical move is to move from a high value negative to a high value positive. What is a high value positive? Energy or excitement. 
And there's mm. a term for it. It's actually called anxiety reappraisal. So what you want to do is you want to move from anxiety to energy and excitement. What's one of the easiest ways you can do that? Well, who watches late night television talk show hosts? We all do. What's the first thing that happens before they come out and greet the audience? There's music that plays. Whatever makes you feel like, excuse my French, that bitch, whatever music gets you hyped, makes you feel like mm. I'm about to set it off, turn that on and play it right up until you unmute your mic. Physiologically, mm. that actually has an impact on us because we're human beings, right? It's like Pavlov's dog. It's not something we can even think about. Like it just happens, right? And you mm. play that music. Now your mic is on mute. Did everybody get that? Camera is on. Mic is on mute. And that <laughs> music that makes you feel like lovebomb.com is playing in the background. So think of it as like a surfer, right? A surfer is out in the middle of the ocean on their board, waiting for the right wave to catch that right wave and let it bring them to shore. That's what the music can do for you. Let it do mm. the heavy lifting. Let it do the heavy lifting. So as the music crescendos, you're being introduced, it's time for you to speak. Turn off the music, turn on your mic. Hey y'all, what's good? Physiologically, you're there. You're now moving from anxiety into energy and excitement. So that's one of the like super easy cheat codes that I give people. That's I mean, that's a really fantastic <laughs> tip because I think it is, it's like, it, there's like a flow, right? Like I don't feel like myself, I feel stuck. And so I can see like, if I'm tense mm -hmm. and I just kind of like calm myself down, by the time I get on camera, I'm like not that engaging, right? But like I was tense and then I just kind of get some energy and flow. That's then I, I feel more myself, right? I mean, not everybody's high energy, but it kind of gets yeah. that, right? Everybody gets to choose their own music and they kind of, What's going to make me feel relaxed and present? And and it, I love this idea of physiological because I, I do honestly feel like when the, and I've been doing this, this, you know, these interviews in particular, like for about six months, it's like, mm -hmm. it still freaks me out. You know, I'm like, I'm like, oh, my face gets this weird thing going on. Right. <laughs> so I appreciate, so I appreciate this kind of just like loosen up. And I love, mm -hmm. and I think this idea of music is is great. Thank you. It's, it's just, it's, it's an easy, easy cheat code to use and to get yourself in the right space because really one of the keys to authenticity on camera is energy. And that mm -hmm. can be translated in any number of ways, right? It can be an effusive external energy that everyone can clock, see and feel, or it can be an internalized energy and effervescence that shows up as poise and power and connectivity. And you get to decide, you know, you get to decide on that post-it note that you've got on the screen covering your portion of it. You can throw a few bullet points up there so you're not searching for words. Like if there are certain words that, that are key to what it is that you want to say, you put those words up there so that you're not, you can be present to what's being said and what you're hearing. Okay. So I think my question is, you know, around this like term of Zoom fatigue. So if mm -hmm. I always have, do you feel like, do you, do you suggest that in order to have more effective conversations and, you know, whatever that looks like for you on camera, do you mm -hmm. physically need to be, have more energy because it's exhausting, right? Like how, do, like, are you, do you think that we need, I can't just behave the same that I would be on a call or in person and video that those actually require different approaches. Although I suppose even if I'm on the call or if I'm 
in person, those, my energy is different anyway, but I think there's something a little stressful about feeling like you have to turn up the energy. Can you just speak to that a little bit? So it's not something you put on. It's, it's something that you bring forth. Okay. And those are, that's a key differentiator, right? So I'm not talking about some sort of um, posed fake energy. I'm talking about finding resonance, internal resonance, using something external so that it activates you internally and then it shows up here on the screen and it comes, it comes forth like a light, right? It comes forth like a light through you. I don't think that for, for me, authenticity is the number one thing that that is the key to keeping the connection and keeping the audience captivated. People can read bullshit a million miles away. If the way your authenticity shows up is, I don't know, dry hubris, then that's the right take for you on camera. If you are naturally effervescent and bubbly, but you feel some kind of way about the way you look on camera, we address that part of it. And then you show up as that person naturally ebullient and effervescent. It's all about authenticity, authenticity. So we connect, connect so we can captivate. And when I'm more authentic, when I feel like myself, I'm not exhausted. I feel perfectly fine. It's, it's, it's with ease. And that's really the whole point of mm. it. some of those things um, preliminarily so that you can be present and at ease during the key time that you're in front of the camera. It's prep yeah. work. So if you, I don't know, I've said to people before, if you really, really don't like the way you look on camera, hire makeup artists that day. Get, no, dead ass. Get your hair yeah. done that day or hire a glam squad. If, if what you're doing is merit, you know what I mean? If you really want to shine and you don't want to have to be distracted by or worry about those things, I don't know, depending on where you live, you could probably get someone to come to your home and do all of those things for under $300. And last I checked, it was a write-off. I don't know, things change a lot in this world, so that could change. But it's still the value add of that is incalculable because suddenly you're not obsessing over your hair. You're not obsessing over your makeup. You're not obsessing over how you look and you can stay connected to what it is that you're there to share, to share. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I help people with the, getting prepared for sales conversations, right? And they're very nervous. And it's interesting because I'm going to think about that music advice because I do, I do kind of say like, take a minute to yourself. Interestingly, it may be music is maybe the right lever instead, right? Mm -hmm. But it because they're just anxious, right? And they're thinking they're worried. They're like, oh, is this person going to hire me or not? Um, and so, sorry, I kind of lost track of what I was, <laughs> what we were talking about. But, but just as, uh, you know, I think that they're, oh, sorry, I think hire, like I say, you know, or like getting your head, like, I think they're, it's okay to put in a little extra effort to feel, to put yourself in a position of success, of feeling successful, of feeling, right? And they're sort of like, well, oh, people think, oh, I should just come on the call. I'm like, no, it's okay to prepare. It's okay to like have your notes in front of you. It's okay to rehearse a little bit of the ask. It's okay, like, you know, adding something that, and I think, you know, hiring some, hiring somebody to make sure that you have, you know, clothes or whatever. I mean, I know that might seem superficial to some, but I'm gonna 
I'm in agreement with that. I think that that, yeah. like, for example, if you were working one company that was corporate and then you went to a startup, like you're going to get a different outfit. Like you need, you want to present yourself in a way that's authentic, but still is, um, is having you feel like you don't want to go to a startup, like in a three piece suit, right? Like you're not going to feel comfortable. So like figuring out what's going to, what can you practically do to, um, I don't know, feel comfortable. I, I don't know. Do you, do you feel like people push back on that idea? Is, is that asking too much because that's kind of counterintuitive to being authentic? Um, not necessarily because there's two, there's, I don't know, there might be four or five Wendy's. There's like high glam opening night Wendy. There's, you know, live virtual event Wendy. There's mm. mom Wendy. Um, none of us are a monolith. There's all different versions of the ways that we show up in the world and whichever one is authentic to you in that moment in front of the camera is the right version that you should feel free. First of all, you don't need anyone's permission. That's the other thing. Like mm. I really want people to understand that um, you don't need someone's permission to, to be in front of this camera sharing what it is that you're sharing. We all have something of value to say and add to this world. So disabuse yourself of the idea that you have to have permission to speak with authority. Mm. Um, anything ever. If you decide that you want to be in front of the camera sharing your point of view, that is absolutely, you're right. And you should move forward with that. Um, the other thing I would say is it was on the tip of my tongue and I just lost it. This 52 year old brain of mine, like I have to key it in. Otherwise it, it goes someplace is, oh, I know what it is. I think people feel this crazy pressure to fill every single second on camera with speech. Mm. Say what you're going to say and let it land. You may know what it is that you're saying because you've said it a million times. But remember, whoever's on the other side of that camera is hearing this for the first time. You don't have to fill every single second that you're on camera with dialogue. Say what it is that you want to say and let it land. Give people an opportunity to take in, accept, realize what it is that you're saying, and then move on. I think that's the other thing. People become really uncomfortable with any sort of silence when they're in front of the camera. But it's absolutely crucial if you want people to come away with a real understanding with what it is that you're there to share. So let it land. Be, be, let be it comfortable with silences. Yeah, let I it, think that's really, that's really interesting. I, I know for myself, even when I listen back to some of these, I'm like, when I take a pause, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, and now I realize as you're, you know, I'm like, oh my God, why am I, you know, like, you don't even yeah. know, like, it's not until I pause that I'm actually understanding what I'm saying, right? Like, and, you know, on a, on a, like I'm listening to the recording and I, I struggle with that. And it's, it's just really interesting that you bring that up. I think that's really, really, really important that we don't, we want to try to be authentic and we wouldn't always talk nonstop, right? In, in, yeah, in, in what has previously yeah. up to this point been a more organic sort of experience for ourselves. Yeah. And you have to, you, you want to listen and watch for visual cues from the person you're speaking to, right? To make sure that they're getting it. There might be a fleeting expression across their face that shows that they're confused. That's 
perfect opportunity for you to articulate that point in a in another way. So maybe I see that confusion on your face and I could say to you, okay, so maybe another way of understanding that is the following. But you'll never get that opportunity if you don't sit with the silence, become comfortable with the silence and use that time to key in with whoever it is that you're conversing with, make sure they've got it. And if they've got it, go on. That's interesting as well. I think when we're in, a, like let's say a conference room, our cues, our sensory sort of our habitual sensory around under reading a room is different in the online space, right? And sort of being attentive to that. I think that's another great tip. Okay, so here's what we've talked about. We've talked about think ways to get more confident on camera. Number one is just super practical. Like, don't like looking at your face, put a sticky <laughs> over it. Like, hey, you know what I mean? Whatever works. Um, I think you also talked about before you go on camera, like, don't try to calm yourself down. Try to get mm -hmm. some cool music that makes mm -hmm. you feel flow, that makes you feel like relaxed and ready to, 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 to come mm -hmm. to the conversation you know, ready, a right high level energy, not necessarily high energy, but right, like a certain type of flow. We also talked about silence. No, we talked about, you You had mentioned, um, you know, if you don't like the way you look, just, you know, make, you can make some really simple changes. I, I believe that's to be true. I think there's some really like cost-effective way. We don't spend a lot of money, but just, you know, putting, putting some efforts just so that you're more relaxed on the comp. We also talked about silence, right? We don't always have to be talking nonstop. Big lesson for me, working on that. And then lastly, you talked about really being attentive to the faces on the screen yes. to understand if we're communicating and making sure we're giving uh, another, op you know, making sure we're taking cues so that we can ensure that our message, whatever that is, is being understood. 100%. And here's the thing, the beauty of, and I don't think people talk about this part of it enough. Here's the beauty of actually speaking virtually as opposed to in person. Um, when you walk into a space, there's nowhere to hide, right? You're, you're there. Uh, everything that you're utilizing while you're discussing can be seen by everyone. Let me tell you, sometimes when I present if you could see behind the camera all the sticky notes and the this and the that that's all over, like all of the tools, all of the things that can help you to really nail that conversation because it's a conversation. I don't think people realize that. They think, well, I'm doing all the talking. No, it is. It's a conversation. You're just talking first. And the, the non-spoken part is still conversational by the listener. There's a million ways that you can leverage yourself and make it easier for yourself to talk about this important content when you're working virtually, that you can't fudge when you're in person. And I really need people to like get on board with the beauty of how you can really low-key run game while you're doing virtual. <laughs> have everyone thinking you are just brilliant.com. And meanwhile, you've got all the tools there. You've got your notes, you've got things left, right, up, down, and all around. Like everything that you need to be spectacular and to really nail this conversation is right there. And the only person that can see it is you. Thank you so much, Wendy. Thank you so much for all your great tips and advice. 
I know people can find you on LinkedIn yes. uh, at Wendy Lee Curtis. Uh, yes. And I'll put that here on the screen. I hope you'll reach out to Wendy when you need your next MC host <laughs> virtual tips, you know, on camera goddess, you'll reach out to Wendy Lee. Thank you so much for your time. Any final words? Yeah. Um, the world needs you. The world needs what it is that you come to share. So don't let this be a barrier to sharing. There, there are people who's, this is not hyperbole, whose lives can really be changed by what it is that you know and choose to share. So let's get out there and um, do what it is that we do, work in our little zone of genius and share. Don't let this little camera intimidate you. Great advice. Thank you so much, Wendy. And thank you everyone for tuning in today. I really appreciate your time, Wendy. Have Thank a great week, so everyone. All right. I'll see you guys on the big screen.